Well, welcome back to another fantastic week. Happy weekend to you, and uh, if you're working, really sorry you got the shit end of the stick. Hope you enjoy your commute. Um, we're enjoying the weekend. Sure are. Yeah, we got a head start on it. We uh, checked out Blue Velvet. For me, it was the first time that I'd seen this specific Lynch film, but uh, to Brent, a, a timeless classic. Yeah, I've watched it three or four times, which is which is many times less than I would like to watch that movie, because I really like it. It's, pro uh, it's probably my favorite Lynch film. After sleeping on it, I can say that it's it's probably my favorite Lynch film as well. If you... Um, like if somebody just put a gun up to my face, like, yo, you're going to die right now unless you can tell me unequivocally what your favorite David Lynch film is. Go. I'd be like, uh, uh, uh Blue Velvet. And they'd be like, I, I believe you. I... And see, the nice thing about it, too, is that uh, it's one of those films that uh, he did that actually has a very clear beginning, middle, it's, and end. It's pretty co like, pretty coherent for a David Lynch film. For people that don't know David Lynch, he's uh, his filming is pretty out there in terms of, like, it follows, like, dream logic. Dream logic to the most dreamiest like, dream. David Lynch is obsessed with dreams. Yeah. Because it's... Oh, now, that's not to say baby. that perhaps uh, somebody listening might think like, oh, okay, so does that mean that every movie that David Lynch has ever done ends with the man waking up? God, no. It no. usually shows you that the man's life is a literal godforsaken nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Like, that you can't uh, wake up from ever. And uh, if you haven't gathered yet, uh, this is our first episode on a movie. Yeah, we're not talking about video games. What? I'm out of my element here. Yeah, we, uh, we're we really, really excited to bring you our first episode on podcast for two people about a film, which uh, if you listen to our first episode on Tomonobu Itagaki, uh, you'll see and hear that we have and will upload uh, episodes yeah, we'll on do very many want. things. Yeah, there are no rules do here. Welcome to the Fury Road. There are no fucking rules. There is only kill. Mm -hmm. I don't know, I got nothing. You got nothing? <laughs> I got nothing to add to that. Well, anywho, let's go on to show Blue is the Velvet. Start. Yeah, show is the start. So, uh, Brent, yeah. uh, would you like to take the helm on the synopsis of the film, or would you like me to? I'll do it. I'll, I'll go off of like my, my noggin here. Yeah, let's, let's give it the... Uh, Somebody um, told you the news, tell somebody else the news. Uh, Jeffrey Beaumont, mm -hmm. played by Kyle MacLachlan, a young Kyle MacLachlan. That's um, another thing, this film has just the coolest stars. He's got a pretty nice cast. Um, he's walking home, he's, he's taking a break from school because his father is seriously ill. He had like a heart attack, or stroke, a stroke, a stroke heart attack. Stroke attack. His chest hurt and he couldn't breathe. He can't breathe. And he was in the hospital. So he goes to visit him. You see him walking through a field. He chucks a rock at a shed to and fro. Mm-hmm. Anyways, he's walking back, and he finds a severed ear in that field. Mm-hmm. Uh, covered with ants, like moldy. Yeah. So moldy what, what, would, what, would, what would anybody do in that situation? A uh, normal human being would go to, like, you know... No, no, let me finish. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> If you're motherfucking Jeffrey Beaumont, oh shit! You grab a fucking discarded paper bag and grab the ear with your bare fingers. Yeah, I mean, why not? Put it in that bag and take it to the nearest police station. And it, it kind of just uh, goes from there. It's this. It's this kid's curiosity that really drives him 
through this mystery, I guess. It's kind of a noirish mystery film. Which is something that I really liked about it. I was I was kind of thinking to myself the whole time. I was like, you know, it's almost like if there were more movies like L.A. Confidential that weren't specifically about the cops. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a kid who just stumbles into this, like, and it takes place in a, a town, a fictional town, I'm assuming, called uh, Lumberton. Yeah. Which is like your Norman Rockwell, perfect little town. Something that it really reminded me of, if I could interject real quick, uh, way back when I would visit my sister in Seattle, Washington, anytime that we were going to the Pacific, uh, we would go through, uh, this is a, a city um, that I, I think a lot of people might know the name of for various reasons, but Aberdeen, like of Kurt Cobain fame, Aberdeen. Um, it was a logging town, right? Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that Aberdeen had logged away all of its trees. So it was... A logging town no longer. No, yeah, it was actually pretty terrifying and kind of sad. Like, there was just all these businesses that no longer existed. And I kind of got this uh, feeling that Aberdeen was literally, like, post-Lumberton. Yeah. You know? And uh, I think that maybe Aberdeen would have looked like Lumberton. Maybe the people would have been like that as well. Yeah. No shortage of jobs. Everyone seems happy. It's, uh, it's a Pleasantville uh, kind of look to everything. But it definitely takes place in the eighties. But there is this. Yeah, it's 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 almost like ambivalent, like vague about the time period it takes place in. Um, I mean, like I the first few times I watched, it, I always assumed it was like the sixties. Like right. 50s I mean, you look 60s. at the cars. You look at the people. A lot of like old old like muscle American muscle cars. Mm hmm. Or you know, like you got your uh, convertibles, things like that. Uh, that definitely look like they're out of the 80s. Like I mean, they're yeah, not... you, you saw it. There was like the, you know, like 80s Pizza Boy car. Yeah, and then uh, they also had a, uh, Which... I believe that was a Firebird as well in a different shot. And I was like, okay, It wait, went by what? pretty fast. Yeah. I was I like, what is, what is this? What's going on here? And um, on top of that, like the houses, everything like that, it gives you this picture of this perfect uh, neighborhood. Um that's just like perfect you know nothing bad could happen and that's something that lynch i mean let's talk about the the opening scene yes. after the title card it's just white picket fence with stark contrast with these beautiful roses and then tulips a uh, fire truck walks by with their dog sitting on the side and the fireman just waving to the camera at you can you uh can you reiterate that one more time does the fire truck walk by or drive by yeah it drives by okay you know what the fuck i mean <laughs> shut up I just don't remember the truck going like all fucking Steamboat Willie, man. It's been a long week. <laughs> it has been. It's a long ass week. Ask and, anybody. And then yeah, it's you you see Jeffrey's dad just trying to water his garden, his yard with a hose. Mm -hmm. And it's the hose is kinked mm -hmm. on a stick and he's trying to yank it out. Um the it shows like the hose where it's um like screwed in, like leaking out. Starting to like rattle as well. He's having, yeah. all this pressure. He's having a hard time dealing with it, and then yeah, he just he just grips his chest and falls over, and then it, the, he's on his back, just holding the hose, and the dog's trying to eat at it, and then uh, it it zooms into the grass in the yard, mm -hmm. 
And they keep like the doing, perfectly green. I think grass. I think there's a term for it. And like David Lynch, movie, I think it's called like a Lynchian stare. Oh really, yes, yeah. Really slow, slow zoom in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's you see underneath the grass is just in the beetles dirt. and worms just slobbering all each other. Even like edit in like splorching noises. Yeah, I mean like there's no way that beetles sound like that, but uh, they do now. They do now. But it's to give you this overall idea. It's that like what's, under yeah, what's what's going on underneath this perfect little town? What's what what critters lurk underneath yeah, the yeah. surface. What dark, disgusting things are yes. happening under this uh, beautiful facade. Yeah. Uh, this idea of a perfect town that nothing bad can happen in it is a... But there's a lot of bad things happening in it. Absolutely. Some of the fucking worst things I've ever seen, actually. Uh-huh. Um, but, I mean, yes, it's, uh, it's a story that's been told time and time again, but we're also talking about a film that uh, was uh, made in 1986. Mm-hmm. So, it, I would say that it definitely precedes uh, quite a few films of the same trope, but I think that it does so very well. But like, in the, in well. the 80s, like, the 50s, that whole, like, maybe it was in the 70s, too, but, like, there was, like, you know how, like, nowadays, like, oh, man, the 80s were fucking rad. Yeah. The 50s were the 80s of the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything was uh, was really nice, and everything just made more sense. Oh, yeah, it was so much There's, more simple. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's exactly like a hundred percent comparison, but seeing as how we in, were in, in our twenties in, uh, in and yeah, in like in media, yeah, it was a lot of stuff took place in the fifties for fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was also in a time where we were getting over being uh, post-war America, mm-hmm. dealing with a massive. Uh, uh, surge in uh, drug abuse and of course um, a lot of a uh, lot of problems with the AIDS epidemic and everything in the 80s there was this this huge counterculture thing going on so I think that maybe we're seeing a little bit about counterculture in this as well where it's the uh, bad breaking through the soil marring the uh, kind of beautiful face of what a uh, Lumberton was beautiful thank you um, <laughs> But yeah, I think that Jeffrey Beaumont is kind of a, a kid that doesn't belong in Lumberton. He's kind of like a weird ink ink blot. Yeah, uh, you know, he never really. He kind of mentions that he used to have friends mm-hmm. in that scene. Yep. Um, but I'm guessing I don't know. He he says he goes to school. Yeah. But he he graduated high school. We find this out. Yep. In a conversation with the character. And he's back, he's taking, his, his father is, you know, he's, he's recovering, mm-hmm. he's not doing great, but he's recovering. So he's kind of helping out at his father's hardware store. That's about all you see him do. Yeah. When he's not in his house or, you know, doing, doing plot. the plot of the movie. Yeah, which, uh, when we do get to the plot of... Uh, we think that it's very important, even even though like we're talking about a let's see here twenty plus thirty plus thirty uh, thirty two year old movie here. Um, it holds up incredibly well. I mean, you can get this on Blu-ray, much like any other film, really. And uh, I, seeing as how like I've I've watched a lot of Lynch films, I'm a fan of Lynch. I'm not a fanboy of Lynch. I think that he's I think great. I am. Eh, I'll and say that's it. fine. 
But like, uh, as far as Lynch movies go, I would say like, if you're gonna watch one, watch Blue Velvet because you know it's it's very accessible. And I think that asking someone to sit through, say, like Lost Highway or uh, the entirety of Twin Peaks and Fire Walk with me, maybe asking too much of a general audience. Maybe if you're one of I two like people. I feel like Twin Peaks is pretty, Twin Peaks was hugely successful. Oh it's, yeah. Getting into a whole other discussion. I just wanted to, just right. wanted to get that out there. I guess. Oh yeah, no, that's for sure. Like that's just it. Is that uh, it also came out at a very good time when um, that kind of idea and media was pretty cool. People really enjoyed that uh, kind of psycho thriller, um, supernatural shit. Yeah, I guess what we're getting at here is uh, we're gonna warn you. When we're gonna get into spoiler territory? Because you should watch this movie. Yeah, we, we don't, don't. We don't want to take away from uh, you actually watching it. I, I think. I, what else did they say without getting into spoiler territory? Getting into spoiler territory. Well, I would like to actually talk about uh, the cast first and foremost. Oh yeah. Um, so you have uh, the entire idea of Blue Velvet. Um, it opens up with this blue velvet uh what seems to be a curtain mm-hmm. at first Looks like and it. you see this shimmering blue velvet uh cloth with your uh very very 50s uh 50s it's 60s Roy Orbison um, soundtrack i mm-hmm. believe uh i was actually talking about like uh the uh the core. opening credits oh sorry. yeah it's like okay yeah and it's very much so like you feel like you're watching an old MGM movie or something like that, and it's just kind of settling you into the idea that you're going to watch something that's dated. Mm-hmm. And it's not until Jeffrey comes in that kind of shatters that idea because he is very 80s. He's very 80s culture in the way that he looks. Not like parachute pants and like zoot suit no, and no, like shoulder no, pads, no. but like. Talking more like blazer with the tie, with the black slacks, the uh, kind of um, the cropped haircut that was very popular then, and then an ear piercing. Um, that's just kind of I don't know. Like you look at them, and I, I feel know, like a it, lot of is it yeah strictly I don't know. I feel like people might have dressed up like that back then. Not a lot of people. But. I would say that if if you looked at him, you would be able to tell what era the movie was from. Easily, especially given the pattern on the ties that he uh, that he wears throughout the film. I don't know. Yeah. I really, I, even like I, I, I agree with you, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. All right, so we obviously have like an agree to disagree, agree to agree, disagree, agree it's, on it's on Jeffrey Beaumont's uh, style. Style. Yeah. You, we don't know him, and we don't know his style. Oh, we come to know him. Yeah, we come to know him pretty well. In fact, uh, I think that um, you know, in us in us watching it, we kind of came to the consensus that like, dude's a little weird. He's a little weird, but overall, I can kind of see his um, his uh, desire to know and his curiosity because uh-huh. it's it's a wild, wild beast that he can't even begin to control himself. Yeah, which I mean, I can kind of feel because like I too am a very, very curious creature by nature. Um, Especially when it has something to do with that. But I don't know if I'd poke my nose so far into as as the did. business. Um, I, I think that before we do go into uh, just the uh, the heart and soul of the movie, the plot and everything, um, I do want to kind of uh, hit up the other actors and actresses that kind of made this 
possible. Obviously, written and directed by David Lynch, mm -hmm. uh, you've got powerhouses such as Isabella Rosalini, and if she doesn't sound familiar, uh, she typically has a lot of side roles in, in various um, things. I can't remember what it was called now, but she did a web series about how certain animals and insects mm -hmm. have sex. Okay. She was also on uh, the very popular show Blacklist uh, for just just one episode, it looks like. Uh, a couple different movies over the years. Of course, we had Kyle MacLachlan, who's been pretty much everywhere, especially everywhere that Lynch has been. We had uh, Dennis Hopper, who played our uh, uh, movie and tag, I guess uh, is the uh, best way to put that you without You can't talk much. about Blue Velvet without talking about Dennis Hopper's performance. Oh, absolutely not. And Dennis Hopper himself is kind of a legend. If you don't know many movies he, that he's done. I think he like read the script or something, or like he saw the character of Frank and pretty much like told David Lynch, he's like, I have to play Frank. I have to do this. <laughs> I feel like I can totally see him doing that. You know, this comes from the guy who decided that Easy Rider needed to be a film and then like made it and like made it with, you know, a young Jack Nicholson and kind mm -hmm. of uh, flipped how uh, Hollywood uh, made movies, like almost overnight with the uh, release of Easy Rider. And of course, uh, the Antag in uh, Waterworld, uh, Speed. Motherfucking King Koopa. Uh, so great that the last movie I think that was released um, that he was actually in was uh, Alpha and Omega, which is looks like a, a furry movie. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, he's been in a lot of shit, and, uh, if you don't know Dennis Hopper, I mean, what are you doing here? Anyway, so, uh, then we also have the lovely actress Laura Dern, who plays, uh, a fantastic supporting role opposite of, uh, Kyle McLaughlin in our film. She's a perfect foil for, like, the women in Jeffrey's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's, I guess I'll get into it later, but... She's like the, she's the Paragon character. <laughs> she really is. Uh, we had, um, he, he has a minor role, but I kind of think that it's important just to drop a name at least. Uh, Dean Stockwell, uh -huh. who you guys might know uh, from Quantum Leap, uh, the fucking movie Dune that came out two years prior to this. Also directed by Lynch. Yep. And then uh, you've got different NCIS, fucking all sorts of other bullshit. Um... I mainly remember him from, from Quantum Leap, I don't know, and Battlestar Galactica, I suppose, as uh, John Cavill, but uh, he's still trucking, I don't, I don't think he's an actor anymore, maybe? I'm not uh -huh. sure, I haven't seen him in anything lately. Uh, then we also have uh, George Dickerson, who uh, I want to say was the father of Laura Dern's character who is the uh, detective mm -hmm. that takes on the case that... Uh, yeah, Jeffrey kind of <clears throat> brings the ear to him, and mm -hmm. kind of he keeps kind of going back to him, and, you know, he's really he gets really curious about it. And then uh, with Dennis Hopper's crew, we have uh, uh, at least a couple. I'm not going to touch on everybody that was in that crew, uh, but uh, Brad Dourif played a, a switchblade-wielding crazy maniac, which is kind of funny because it almost seems typecast for him now. Yeah. Um, that is the uh, voice actor for Chucky. I uh, also played as uh, Billy Bibbit in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Wormtongue in Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and then uh, just a lot of like strange ass movies. I like the Warner Herzog films he was in. Yeah, uh, I mean he's got really really fantastic credits such as uh, Drinking from the Bottle, uh, a Calvin Harris uh, featuring uh, movie where he played as the devil. Uh, he also did some voice acting in Dishonored. You know, he's yeah, just he was been a Piero Chaplin. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, uh, you can't have a Lynch film without Jack Nance. Yeah. And, uh... I'm Paul. Paul. It's just... Yeah. I, I he was uh, Henry Spencer, literally Eraserhead in Eraserhead. Yep. Uh, you know, it's just... It's one of those wonderful things. Of course, uh, Pete Martell in Twin Peaks. It's nice. He played a nice, like, kindly old man. Mm-hmm. And uh, Phil in Lost Highway. Yep. And just a, just a myriad of other strange-ass roles, you know, here and there. Uh, he wasn't always, like, you know, uh, what do I want to say, the, the best in everything he did, but he was pretty great. What was that B-movie we were watching about two weeks ago about the teacher that stabbed that, that dude's neighbor? And he was, like, in a satanic cult, and, like, Jack Nance was his, like, strange, simple brother. No, that wasn't him. Oh, it wasn't? No. Ooh. I thought it was for a second. Okay. No, that... I was just going to say, like, I was very Unrelated. tired. Because <laughs> I was like, is that, is that Jack Nance? I was like, no, no. So I, that really covers it as far as the uh, the people that made the, the movie possible go. Mm-hmm. And God, did they really give it their all. That was a really, really great performance by everybody. And uh, it got a lot of awards and nominations. I think it was uh, 18 total international awards over the course of, say, uh, I believe that was about 28 years. And then um, 16 nominations and an Oscar nomination. Um, And a couple awards for Best Supporting Actor to Dennis Hopper for the role of Frank. Um, it's weird. It's like I I hadn't heard about it until like one of my friends bought it on like DVD and mm-hmm. we watched it there. It's it's not a movie you're gonna catch mm-hmm. on uh, you know AMC or Turner Classic Movies. No, because it is graphic. It's really graphic. It doesn't really. Uh, it takes its time to build up to it, and I think that's the beautiful thing about it is that it's literally uh, the climax of. Jeffrey Beaumont's curiosity. Mm-hmm. You can see it climbing and you just sit further and further back in your chair, like lightly nibbling on your on it, your fingernails. It probably has one of like the best like voyeur scenes mm-hmm. I've ever seen in a film. Yes. It just a lot of scenes like that that uh that this film pulls off that's just uh you know, kind of kind of crazy. Of course, um I think now we could probably get into the plot as I think that otherwise we'll probably end up dancing around the whole thing. Yeah, we might as well just get right in there. So, uh, at this point, everything from here on out will likely uh, be a plot-destroying spoiler. Yeah, let me just, like, before we get too into it, I just want to say, like, if you like, if you like kind of... Yeah, let's give it a closing before we go into the, the plot. If you like Dennis Hopper, if you like David Lynch, if you don't like David Lynch, check it out. Um, if you like, 
If you like just like a if you like bizarre Twin, yeah. mystery, if you like Twin Peaks, yes. If you liked Twin Peaks and you wanted more, but you weren't sure where to look, yeah. And you knew that David Lynch's like other works are like kind of crazy and like we said before, like more like dream visions and uh-huh. fever dreams and shit. Like look no further than Blue Velvet because I I really enjoyed myself and it does have a very definitive beginning, middle, and end, and just coherent story that if you don't look away from... has a conclusion where you're not like, What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, uh, if you're paying attention to the screen, you're going to know what's going on. Uh Or even if you're, like, listening, for the most part, you'll know what's going on. Um, Other than that, you know, just go and find yourself a copy of this movie and uh, give it a watch, man. It's It's worth it. It's totally worth it.